Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, welcome to a new episode of What's New in History. We have a very special guest today. Aram Show, who I've mentioned on the podcast and on other episodes of What's New in History, who is working on an awesome book, Table of Gods. And let's welcome Aram to the podcast. Hello, Aram. Hello, Bernie. Thank you. I'm glad to be finally doing this. We talked about this a lot. We've been communicating through email and such. And yeah, yeah. And tell us about, tell us a little, let's, I'm just going to let you tell us about your, the book that you're working on first, and then we'll go from there. How about that? Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, the book is called uh, Table of Gods. It's not yet out, so I think that's uh, good to just start with. Okay. Um, it's, it's, I got the idea somewhere in like 2018, 2019, after I read uh, Jean book, uh, The Oldest Cuisine in the World. Okay. So basically, what the astrologist uh, Jean Botero did back in the 1980s was that he uncovered like three clay tablets, the, the, the oldest recipes uh, okay. known to us on three clay tablets. And they were thought to be from the Mesopotamian city Larsa okay. during the, the Babylonian, uh, the old Babylonian period. So, okay. you know, during the times of King Hammurabi. So, like, that's like and 2000 BC ish, right? Yeah, it's like 1700, 1800, okay, gotcha. something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, th- these, uh, so, so we have three clay tablets. They, they come from the Babylonian city uh, called Larsa. They ended up on Yale University in like early 1900s uh, CE, okay. obviously. <laughs> uh, and, so, but but they you know they just gathered dust for a couple of decades until because they thought they were like just uh, like medicines and texts oh, okay. about you know stuff like that boring stuff. But yeah, then Botero yeah. he starts you know digging into to to them and it takes him a few years actually to decipher and uh, you know understand what this is about. And when he's done, he has you know uncovered thirty five recipes that are the oh. oldest by far because the the oldest known to us until then was from the roman cookbook uh, apicius 
from like oh, the wow. so that's a lot fifth later. century like CE. Yeah. Right. So they're, you know, more than 2000 years older than the Roman recipes. And what's interesting is that there were three clay tablets and all three were written by different chefs. Huh. Uh, actually, the, the chefs wouldn't, you know, have been the ones who actually wrote the recipes. They would have okay. a, a, a scribe who, you know, sat sure. next to them uh, writing. But what's interesting with that is that they may be, there may be more, more of these tablets somewhere, you know, that aren't yet found. Yeah, because yeah. Botero thought they were part of a bigger collection. But anyway, this this you know this finding got got attention. You know, uh, from from the New York Times, they they wrote about it on their uh, cover page when when people still read news on paper. Yeah, this was in the eighties, right? Nineteen. Yeah, this is in the eighties. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, so so it spreads, you know, and it's 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 a big thing. But and then some forty years later. I stumble upon these uh, these recipes that Botero then published in a book called "The Oldest Cuisine in the Mer- in, in the World: Cooking in Mesopotamia." Okay. So I buy this book. I get it. You know, b- b- the reason why I bought it was uh, well, I, I was just you know browsing through Amazon. I saw it based on my uh, you know previous searches and stuff. So right, good old algorithm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, so I didn't need many, you know, minutes to 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 make the purchase because I'm myself uh, uh, of of Assyrian heritage. So I'm a Swedish oh. Assyrian from from Sweden. Definitely, we'll talk I speak about the that. same. Yeah, I speak the same language as they did in the Neo Assyrian Empire. I I understand a lot of words in Akkadian also, which was oh, just wow. so amazing when I started to read these recipes. A lot of the words were like, "What? That's how we say yeah. whatever it was, you know, mint or coriander or, <laughs> yeah." Oh, so uh, yeah, so so you know, I, I buy I, I buy the book. I'm really excited. I tell my mom that uh, we're gonna make these uh, recipes because she's the actual chef, uh, not yeah. not me. <laughs> uh, so, but th- then I get the book and I'm so disappointed by the fact that I can't cook any of these recipes because they were written by chefs for chefs meaning they they left a lot of details uh, outside right. of it you know <laughs> so, right. so they're not nowhere near the recipes we're used to today yeah you even see old cookbooks even not as old as that and they're always just like pretty generic like a pinch or that or you know yeah a little bit <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah exactly a big bunch of that and you're like oh sure yeah Especially yeah, if you don't yeah. that before. Exactly. So uh, that leads to disappointment. I set the book aside, but then I returned to it after, uh, I don't know, weeks or months or something, and just thought I should be able to dig into this because I was so intrigued by it. And then I'm starting to, you know, uh, research Mesopotamian food culture outside of these these recipes. I also try to decipher, or not decipher, but break down these recipes into ingredients, into spices, and so on, to get an understanding of what it, what they use, and so on. But the problem is that these recipes that were found in Larsa were written, or I mean, they didn't represent the Mesopotamian cuisine. They represented the elite 
food, okay. so to speak. Gotcha. So, right, and Wouldn't just have all those just during ingredients, a, if you're a poor person or just an average person, exactly. And also during a a certain time period in a certain place, because right. Mesopotamia is we have to understand that it's 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 not a, I mean the climate in sure. the south and the north is is very different. For example, in south yep. you don't have uh, rain. So right. you can't, you can't, you, you have to use irrigation canals and so on to water your crops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, and also you have different fruits, you have different, right? even some different traditions and different peoples and so on. So it's, that's what I realized that, wait, Mesopotamia cuisine is much more than these recipes only. Uh, yeah, to make a long story short, sorry, the lo- no, story was so already <laughs> pretty long, <laughs> but um, yeah, so we actually I thought that podcast, I'm, I'm going to make a way. cookbook. So, we sorry, dive Bernie. deep. We dive yeah, deep, yeah, exactly. so we go all into it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I've been a listener for years, so I know. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so this, uh, somewhere during 2019... I decided that I'm going to make a cookbook out of this, but not just a cookbook with recipes. I want to write about, I want to cover the Mesopotamian history as well, which is ironically so intertwined with food. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mesopotamian society revolves around food. Everything revolves around food, really, because people people in Mesopotamia were created by the gods, for for one sole purpose to serve them and okay. the way to serve the gods was to offer food and drink four times a day uh, so that's basically okay. why yeah. the gods right. <laughs> created the humans so so in mesopotamia you wouldn't have the problems we have today you know i want to find my purpose what's my purpose in life <laughs> what should i do everybody knew their purpose <laughs> it was to serve the gods <laughs> yeah, that makes and, it easy. Uh, yeah exactly they, they so four uh, times a day too they're hungry gods we yeah, only eat three yeah, times yeah. a day now. So exactly, what do they have breakfast? Exactly. What do they have like breakfast, a mid mid morning something, a little lunch and dinner, or maybe a little afternoon dinner, maybe like yeah, an so, afternoon snack. <laughs> so so you, they they had a, a big meal in the morning, followed by a smaller meal a couple of hours later, then a big meal in the evening, followed by a smaller meal. So two big meals and two smaller meals, and what what ended up on the gods' table. Uh, depended on which god we're talking about so the god had different oh. preferences you know that's also really interesting this is why the book is named table of gods yeah exactly so basically i i realized that mesopotamian cuisine developed into what botero called haute cuisine which is basically a french word for sophisticated cooking or advanced like cooking Okay. Uh, and the reason it it became advanced and w- w- was because people tried to satisfy the gods so it was it was it was a matter of you can't look at it this way that it was a matter of life and death because if the gods weren't satisfied with what ended up on their table they wouldn't give people the protection they needed you know they right. needed protection because they were demons, they were, you know, epidemics, diseases, wars, everything. So the, I always forget the word I want to use, but they were just so, they would just do whatever they wanted. Capricious. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, 
that's when I realized that wait, this is this is really the table of 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 gods. It's what ends up on the gods' table, and then obviously the priests would. Uh, enjoy what the gods didn't yeah eat. i was gonna say too like how do you know if the god isn't like a marduk just smashes it off the wall this is disgusting what is this crap you're serving yeah <laughs> exactly no so uh i don't know exactly how they measured if they were satisfied or not maybe whether well if if everything went Probably by if the priest didn't like it and then he didn't was no good <laughs> yeah maybe maybe but the thing was that the priests some sometimes were the ones who were cooking they were chefs i mean i mean chefs in ancient mesopotamia were were highest in the you know social hierarchy okay so because they were directly connected to the gods um okay as the priests and and, and the kings as well uh, but but because what, what they did was i mean they were responsible for making the gods happy and that was that was super important because <laughs> If they weren't happy, like I said, for example, when Enlil wasn't happy, he brought about the 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 flood okay, that right. almost killed humankind. For example, just just to give an example. So maybe they gave him a bad meal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. In the Hebrew Bible, it's because the people were wicked, but maybe Enlil did it because he got a bad, you know, he got a bad falafel. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I didn't. That's a really good reason why I guess the obvious table of gods, and it's different for each one. And so you say, like the, like the cookbook that you found in, from the eighties. That wasn't really. Was that more of like a scholarly thing, or just sort of like? Yeah, yeah. They didn't really tell you how to make them and things like that. No, no. It was basically Botero's straight translation from the. I see. From 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 the clay tablet. So you know he translated them from Akkadian to uh, to Latin. And uh, I see. And th- the thing is also okay. He, he covered much more, but it's it was still written, I think, aimed at scholars and not uh, right. Yeah, and if you don't, yeah, if you so you're doing is you're making it. You're like you sort of have a test kitchen and you're testing the yeah. recipes out and using them, putting them in you know modern language. I did. I watched a video on um on a guy making beer. I, th- I yeah. think that you watched it too. And then I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's reading right off the tablet and it's so vague. It's like you have yeah. a lot of parts where you have to guess. You yeah, know? definitely. Like add a little of this and a bunch of that. And especially something like beer or bread, you kind of got to measure. You know, like yeah. I like to cook. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. But like, you know, I, I like more cooking than baking. Baking and brewing have to be a little more precise for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's a scientific thing to, uh, right. Because it's, it's about fermentation. Right. So, uh, but the Mesopotamians, I mean, knew about that technique already much, much longer before before the um, these clay tablets were written. And uh, I'm sure I mean, you 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 made a, an episode of uh, some beer findings like thirteen thousand yeah. BC, yeah, or, or something like, like that. Like beer, so, a human beings. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had a few myself last night. If you could tell by my voice. <laughs> Yeah, but on on the subject of beer, I mean, beer was the national drink in Mesopotamia. That didn't matter that much if you know what nations we're talking about: Assyria, Babylonia, or or you know Sumer. It doesn't matter. Beer was always the national drink. There, there was even a, a beer goddess called Ninkasi. Ninkasi. Yeah, and I think the reason there was a beer goddess and not a beer god was because. 
women uh, were the brewers in Mesopotamia. Okay, that makes yeah. sense because you know you, that would be the you know it's kind of like cooking and brewing and you got to. It's not like you go to the store, or your beer store, and get your your supplies. You had to grow and pick it and. Yeah. Make well, it. actually, it it uh, during the old Babylonian period, this is really interesting. Uh, when Hammurabi created his famous laws, many of them, many many of them, revolved around food, but also beer, because oh. at that time we're talking like um, one thousand seven hundred BC or something. At that time, beer had uh, had become so popular that it it became you know a business, and that's when when men started to okay you know <laughs> uh, get their nose into the business. Oh, I and, see. Uh, and making the mass quantities too. I imagine it's just like today, you know, it's a lot easier to. Yeah, so there there were you know taverns everywhere selling beer, and uh, the thing was that some obviously some. Uh, or apparently, some some uh, some tavern keepers were. I think they were blending the beer with water to give less beer than what was paid oh, for. Oh right! So Hammurabi created a law that basically, if you did that, you would be thrown in the Euphrates, which was more or less a death sentence. <laughs> so that's how that's how holy beer was. <laughs> I like to go Hammurabi. That was it's you know hey don't f with people's beer. Exactly, sure. exactly. Watered down beer. And, I'm sure the beer was watery enough then those days too. Um, th- this is really hard to, to know. Um, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about this because at the very moment, me and my sister, who is much more logical and intelligent than me, uh, are trying to <laughs> <It's> sorry, <laughs> are trying to trying to brew <laughs> to brew beer right now. Well, yeah. like 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 we talked about, it's a scientific thing. So uh, I'm definitely not into science. So. Uh, but but she is so we've bought you know things to measure the how much alcohol we have in our beer and and a lot of other things that I don't even understand. Are you doing it but, like the Mesopotamian way? Are you trying to do that? Yeah, yeah, we're oh, trying nice. to do that, and we're trying to create beers that they drank. For example, date beer. Um, oh wow! Pom- pomegranate beer, which was more popular in the north, so date beer was more popular in the south because the date palm. Um, was was more was more uh, more common there. Um, the amazing. first time we did it, this is actually a fun fact. The first time we we brewed date beer, the the glass jar that we brewed it in exploded. Oh my god! Because the fermentation was blown, it's going so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it was day five or six. It just exploded. Oh so, my god. Uh, <laughs> but now we've done a lot of a lot of research. I've been talking to like three different assyriologists about beer. Um, annoying them with all my questions, and, uh, and so, so, so now we're we're trying a, a new batch. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's amazing. I want to know how that comes out. Man. I bet yeah. you that date beer has got a lot of sugar in it. So that, that ferment, fermentation must have been just going crazy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's amazing. It's almost like Viking beer, like they made the, you know, the mead was made out of honey the and mead. stuff. We just think of beer yeah. being made out of barley, but yeah, that's not, but yeah. it's not wine, it's beer. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's going to be and, in your uh, book. Yeah, that's beer definitely going to be in my book. And uh, also, we, you, you mentioned it, uh, that, I mean, we're trying to make these recipes easy to make sort of yeah so we obviously if if you want to do it the real authentic way then i think nobody would be able to cook any recipe because you <laughs> you'd have to build a clay oven you have right. to you know <laughs> buy right. clay vessels and stuff like no that things. or even make them yourself <laughs> so um we, we try to make them we try to make a modern interpretation without losing the authenticity which i think is still crucial so we're using the ingredients that they would have used. We're trying to do it the same way that they did. But, I mean, if they were frying something, we're, we they might have used something totally different than a frying pan. But, I mean, who cares if you get a yeah. similar result? So, uh, I wonder, what did, what did you, do you think they used, like, for example, a pan? Because I'll tell you real quick, like I made this and I was doing it in my cast iron pan. I was thinking they probably yeah. use some kind of cast iron pan, right? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Probably bronze during the Bronze Age. Oh, um, sure, right. Co- copper yes. before that. Um, and then iron, definitely. There is even a, a, a bronze like pan found, which, which is the oldest pan from, from oh, Mesopotamia. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so definitely. I mean, they were really advanced. Just think about the... I mean, just, just think about the, the the importance of food in society where everybody think that... Like, everybody thinks that they're created for the purpose of serving the gods by cooking great food. And you have, you know, armies of chefs in, in, in kitchens. For example, in, the, in Assyria... In the house of the queen, I think 1,200 chefs were employed. Oh my so, gosh, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, and, and you have like, you know, you have, you even had schools. They, they, they had schools where not, on, not, not everybody could even come into those schools. So they had some kind of trial. But then for those who came in, there was like a 
17 or 18 months uh, long kind of apprenticeship where where Rab Nuhatimu, who was the 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 teacher basically okay <laughs> taught the the upcoming Nuhatimus the master chefs uh, how to cook basically wow so uh, and, and then you had apart from the from the Nuhatimu you had the for example the Episanu who was sort of the Nuhatimus right hand you had Epu who was the bread baker there was like you know Sagyagal who who made the drinks you even had roles for pickling things roles for creating sauces i can't remember all the acadian names now but uh yeah i mean I, I, the, there was even a role for I, I recently just made a youtube video on this uh on my youtube channel table of gods we'll link that here where, too. yeah where where, where uh, they they had a role there, there was a you know posi- position for that was called Episat Mercy, which was basically makers of Mersu. So their only job was to create a cookie, uh. a dessert. Yeah, that's and and only they knew the recipe, and only they were the ones who were allowed to cook this. Apparently, wow! So that's that's how. Yeah, yeah that, that's a special specialization in uh, in Mesopotamia when it comes to cooking. You know, it's funny how, like, there used to be a lot, obviously a lot less population back then, right? And we have so much population now, but we don't have, like, mm. one person in charge of, cook, of a cookie. <laughs> yeah. We have yeah, computers no, taking all of our jobs now, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Probably cooking soon as well. I mean, I mean, I guess there's cookie factories. So I guess, you know, like the Chips Ahoy company has got a cookie master, that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. So then what do you think they did? Like, it's so funny how, like, I just I always get a kick out of how superstitious people are and were and still are, like... So you made all this food for the gods. I know they had like mouth opening ceremonies. They didn't actually yeah. open the mouths of the statues, right? Because only back up. Obviously, you probably know it too. The the gods that they felt that the the god lived inside the statue, right? And so that's where they had yeah, to feed yeah, the, yeah. feed the god. And I think they wanted yeah. the god to come and visit the temple and then be in his statue. So that's why they put out the food. But then, yeah, obviously yeah. they were eating. Like the god wasn't eating it, so. I don't know how they explained it away, but I guess they got them, everybody got a good meal. <laughs> yeah, everybody everybody got a good meal. The priests and priestesses first, and then you know just down the ladder. But yeah. but, but it's true what you say about um, the statues. One good example is from the Neo Babylonian period, where uh, mm-hmm. Marduk, the statue of Marduk, was uh, uh, dur- during Akitu, the New Year's festival, which was celebrated mm-hmm. in in April. All over Mesopotamia, also in Assyria, not just in in Babylon, but in Babylon, uh, Marduk was carried to the Akitu Temple, which was on the north northest part of of the of the city, but but still inside the the walls, I think, or 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 it was outside the walls, but just you know on the outside outside of the city, and yeah. uh, there he was, you know, fed and everything, and. Uh, the the celebration was to to celebrate the the harvest of, of barley oh, uh, yeah yeah which which was basically well the reason for it happening in april was because that was when the harvest started okay so uh, they celebrated yeah, let's talk new year actually i know we yeah. wanted to talk about that i think that keto festival was really cool there must have been a lot of food and drink involved yeah, with that yeah definitely yeah. So that was to celebrate the harvest, and it was in April. So that's the new year, is like the new harvest. And yeah. So in in Meso- yeah. Sorry. 
No, you go. Yeah, I was going to say, I know it's like a, I think it's like a two-week two week, uh, celebration, right? Yeah, almost. It's uh, like 12 days. So it, okay. it was a 12 days uh, celebration. And every day was packed with, uh, diff- you know, a schedule. <laughs> uh, food was obviously everywhere for all those 12 days. And uh, yeah. everybody days in Babylon... Yeah, and everybody in Babylon was was um, you know attending this feast at the and and I think the reason for the Akito Temple being on, in the outskirts of the of the city was because I don't think everybody would fit in you know if it was in a temple yeah, yeah. just in the middle of the city. So uh, and then the E Siskur, which basically basically means the house of sacrifice, was. Uh, was one of those those temples there okay. where uh, well obviously they they um, sacrifice meat and stuff um right. uh, and then on the fifth day is actually where it gets funny because that's when the king of babylon would have taken uh, you know taken off his his crown and mm-hmm. been slapped by one of the priests <laughs> yep and 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 not only that he had to shed tears also to show yeah, hit him hard enough basically, to hit him. right yeah and to basically show i mean it was total hum- humiliation just think about it if they would do that to today's political right. leaders <laughs> in front of you know the every, every citizen in babylon so he the, the king the king was slapped he had to shed tears and it was all to show how small he is compared to to marduk the yeah. patron god of babylon and somehow i think that's I think that's uh I don't know I think I think it's a it's a nice thing to to I mean a a, tradi- a a nice tradition to you know you're you're the king you're yes. you can do whatever you want to all of these people that are in front of you but you're nothing compared to the gods like yeah. understand that um right. but obviously not all kings uh wanted to to get slapped so the <laughs> The last king of Babylon, Nabonidus, he fled the city for like, or fled. <laughs> he just yeah. left Babylon for like 10 years or so. <laughs> right. Probably he because he like didn't want years. to get slapped. That must have yeah, been, exactly. like, after that. Maybe yeah. the guy who was slapping him was a little too rough on him the first time. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, he didn't like, he liked seeing the moon god more than Marduk, I guess. That was part of his Yeah, thing. exactly. He was, uh, he was more, he, he basically went to Haran and then he went to, where where the the moon god Sin or yeah, Nana yeah. Uh, was, yeah. and then he also went to I think it was called Tima or something like that. Yeah, um, some oasis in Saudi Arabia somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Some some oasis. Yeah, true. Well, Sennacherib. They also when they took the Marduk statue, they know they didn't have the festival. This would have been yeah. in like the late six hundreds. No, I always get it wrong. It's the early six hundreds, so basically like the six eighties, six nineties. Those yes, and the, the statue yeah, was true. gone. So they Sennacherib yeah. probably didn't want to get slapped either. Maybe that's his deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not he sure. Like if... the kind of guy that wouldn't want to get slapped by somebody. He was like, yeah, 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 yeah no, you're like definitely not hard right conservative type guy. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm I'm not sure if Assyrian kings during the Neo Assyrian period, where Babylon was basically part of Assyria, if the Neo Assyrian kings went down to Babylon to get slapped during the Akito festival. I'm not sure they about that. I haven't to, read I anything think. about that it. That was a thing because that was, was a big controversy. They were supposed because they need they they became king of Babylon. Yeah. So Sennacherib yeah. was king of Babylon and king of 
of as Assyria. But then he had the yeah. statue, so they didn't have the festival. And then Ezra had him brought it back, so he probably got slapped. I could see Ezra, Ezra kind of like <laughs> yeah, yeah, slapped. Yeah. He'd come right on and get uh, your lips out. What did, say? what did Will Smith say? <laughs> <laughs> get my wife's name out of your mouth. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, and then, maybe that's then what, Asher Vanderpaul had another king, so he didn't want to get slapped either. He put his, he put exactly. his brother on there. And his brother yeah, revolted because yeah. he was sick of getting slapped. Now we figured it yeah. all out. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. He... Uh, <laughs> He didn't have to get slapped, Ashurbanipal. Yeah, Slapped his brother right. there. He made his brother. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. So but that must have been a big festival. They must have had all the beers. They must have had all the food. Everybody must have had a blast. Yeah. People yeah, love yeah, festivals. Yeah, yeah. We have a big party here. It's like a spring, well, they call it New Year, right? But I feel like it's like a spring festival. That If it was in April, it must have been pretty warm there, yeah. though. Yeah. But when yeah, the light definitely. starts coming out and everything, people love that. I know we have a... We have a St. Patrick's Day parade here where I'm at in Scranton, PA. That's at the middle of March. Yeah. So it's sort of like a coming out for spring. It's not spring yet in yeah. Sweden, then March, right? No, it's winter in Sweden until June. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's interesting about Akitu is, I mean, uh, to me, being an Syrian, is that we've celebrated it since I was a child. So that's also something right. when I learned about Akitu, you know, more from from history sources, um, to see that, I mean, people have been celebrating this for, for so long and uh, we're still keeping that that tradition. That's really cool. It is. Actually, that, that's something you said that. It's a good segue. Like, do you want to tell us something about your background? You're, you know, you said you're a Syrian. I, is, there, is there a big Syrian community in Sweden? How did you get to Sweden? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, well, if, if we're going to, Maybe we can start with the fall of the Neo Neo Assyrian Empire. All right, we we'll go in, right back uh, to there. <laughs> yeah, so right. um, we're in Nineveh, and uh, yeah, it falls 612 BC. Then Ashurbalit he gathers some 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 soldiers and tries tries to uh, you know he, he goes to Haran I think and tries mm-hmm. to reinstate Assyria somehow. But Nebuchadnezzar comes and destroys the party. And that's basically the end of Assyria. I think that's 609. Mm-hmm. So then we're, we're not that far from where my parents were born, which is southeastern Turkey. Okay. So uh, many Assyrians... That's close to Haran? I'm sorry. Is that close to Haran? Then? Uh, it's or it's closer to, to Nineveh, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, so, but anyway, I mean, Assyria is, is up there in the north. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so southeastern Turkey, northern Iraq, um, and uh, that's that's some so so so. Well, obviously, I don't know what happens up until two thousand or two thousand five hundred years later. But uh, yeah. in the from from at least from the like seventeen hundreds, um, I can track my great grandparents to uh, hmm. southeastern Turkey, a place called Turabdin. Okay. So somehow many Assyrians ended up there and uh, they lived there probably since ever since the, I mean, the fall of the Assyrian Empire or maybe a a few hundred years after that. um, They lived in that that place because it's a really, really old place. For example, in Turabdin, there are temples um, that are like 4,000 years old. So back to the old Babylonian period, maybe even oh, wow. earlier than that. 
that are placed in a certain way that they think that uh, one of those temples wa- were what uh, was where where Shamash the uh, oh. the god of the sun was I was think that's uh, where Enkidu's family is from. He told me about that temple. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yes. Oh wow! So. Yeah, it's a really cool temple. So anyway, um, and there are other artifacts also that goes back way, way. I mean, maybe, maybe even into the BCs um, of things like the the Ninurta cross, for example, or uh, things resembling the what, what's today the 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 Syrian flag, like Shamash okay. um, symbol of the sun, and okay. so on. But then, anyway, my parents, <clears throat> my, my grandparents, uh, they, basically, they fled from this place because in the 1970s, things weren't getting so, things were getting bad for Christian minorities in, uh, okay. in Southeast, in Turkey, everywhere. Basically, so in, in, in the early 1900s, there's a genocide more, more known as the Armenian genocide, but it's also the Assyrian genocide. Oh. So... Uh, it almost, you know, wipes out the whole Assyrian population. Yeah. But then it Small gets already. better. Yeah, exactly. And then it eventually gets better, but then it worsens again in the 1970s. That's, that's when my, my grandparents take my parents that are young kids back then to Sweden. And many, okay. many did. So that's why there's a pretty big community of Assyrians here in Sweden. Okay. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah, so the, that's my cultural background. And we, so you guys spoke Assyrian, like, in your house. You're, like, yeah. basically third generation. You're kind of, well, I guess you're first generation, but your parents were pretty young when they came to Sweden. Yeah, exactly. That's so, really interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, when it comes to languages, um, it's it's so confusing because I do all my research in English. I write much of what I write in English. But I live in Sweden, so, I mean, I talk Swedish with people outside and with friends. But here in my, like, with my family, we only speak Assyrian. So <laughs> there's wow, a yeah. big com- combination there. That's like Enkidu. I did get to meet Enkidu's grandmother, and we had some... I also was hung over that morning, too, unfortunately. Okay. But I did get to have some... I, she put out so much food. Such a sweet lady. She put yeah, out yeah, 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 yeah. She has a garden, That's, and she and God bless you having a garden in Sweden. I garden too, but man, you don't have a short season. <laughs> yeah. And so, so That's, the book is going to be in English, I imagine. Is it also in 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 Swedish or just in English? Um, it's going to be in Swedish too, since oh, okay, it's pretty easy for me to just uh, translate it into Swedish. Um, okay. I'm writing actually simultaneously in Swedish and English, um, because. Sometimes I want my Swedish friends or family members to read what I write, and uh, but many of my editors are, uh, you know, from the U.S. So then I have to write in English, and all Assyriologists are also reading in English. So right, I, w- I want them to. So, so so basically, I communicate a lot with Assyriologists. I send them my texts to get, even though I double check all the sources and so on. I want it to be triple checked. Wow. Um I think it's important when you you publish a book that's going to be there forever to have the sources correct. Yeah. So yeah, tell me tell me about the book then. Like I'm you know I'm kind of envisioning it was a cookbook with some 
you know, a little here and there, but you're saying you're, you're, you're making sure everything's right by sending it to a seriologist and you're going to have it printed in two languages. That's a pretty big undertaking as well, I'm sure. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a nice book. Like it's, yeah, tell me about like how the book looks and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, the book is going to be huge. It's going to be like a coffee table book. Okay. Um, that's how, how, how I'm imagining it. Um, it's not going to be, uh, you know, the normal cookbook. It's the, the chapters aren't, you know, bread, beer, and so on. Okay. Because I think that would be wrong to Mesopotamian cuisine to do that. Instead, the chapters are based... So basically, what, what I want to do with this book is that I want to take my readers back to the cradle of civilization. And not only through their, you know, sense of taste, but through other senses as well. So... Every chapter starts in a Mesopotamian city, and it's like you're like time traveling. First, you're tra- traveling back to like 4000 BC in Eridu, the city of Eridu. Um, it wasn't really a city, more a settlement. But anyway, and then from there, we go to like 3000 BC Uruk. Okay. And then from there, we go to another city. And so what, I'm, what, I, what I do is that I take you first to this city through like a... A f- like a, f- a travel guide but it's it's still okay it's like fiction but 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 it, it's not fiction it's f- it's called like um historical non-fiction yeah but but you know uh, i'm writing it as if i've been there and as if like you would go there nice so um but it but it's short you know it's not super long i don't want to i don't want my book to become a scholar a scholarly book i want yeah. it to be available for like 10 year olds to read and, okay. and learn and enjoy so and then also the food is also for example when we're in Eridu it's totally different food from Uruk because it was totally yeah. different it's more yeah. fish there um, okay. we don't have so much you know sources of bread and so on um, because yeah well they, they, they didn't they didn't uh, plant that much when it comes to grains and so on because they okay. had they had the Persian Sea just right. um, outside the there. door. Yeah, and then they had the Euphrates River, even the Tigris River ended up somewhere there. So, uh, yeah, as an example. And then when we come into the 2000 BCs, we have trade with the Indus Valley. We get spices. We have oh. different, you know. Um, and, and then when, when we get up north, we have different parts of, of grains. For example, common wheat or bread wheat, as it's called. Basically, wheat. When you when you go to the store and buy wheat, that's basically what you're buying: common wheat or or bread wheat. Okay. So that that wasn't that wasn't that was very rare to be found in in uh, southern Mesopotamia. Okay. Uh, but much more in in the northern northern parts. So and then we have cities like Mari, for example, where they ate a lot of fungi and uh, truffles and stuff like that. So. I don't I I don't I don't just want to merge the whole Mesopotamian cuisine because Mesopotamian cuisine isn't it's it's like saying the European cuisine what's that Right 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 exactly I mean in right. Spain you you eat something two to, yeah, different things right? Yeah German exactly and, and then you have Sweden yeah right and yeah, like Sweden meatballs and in Sweden totally it's different. cold in Sweden yeah I had pizza so, with bananas when I was in Sweden so that's bananas <laughs> <itself>. <laughs> I love pizza with bananas actually <laughs> <laughs> I liked it too peanuts and bananas I thought I, I think you thought it was crazy but I thought it was alright <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. They must have so, fusion cooking then too, though, in Mesopotamia. I mean, you know, like, yeah, definitely, you know, you had these two different cities and then you, somebody comes from another place and, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah, interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I th- love th- cooking, th- about- so that's why I really love this. I'm really looking forward for the book to come out. I, I actually, so if you go to um, Aram's um, website, there's, you can sign up to be on the list when the book comes out and you'll, you can get some free recipes, right? So I, I tried yeah. some. I made it twice, actually. I, have, I made it once. The same thing I made. It was the Nana's Moon Bread. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, this is probably going to taste, you know, bland or something. You know, it's like an ancient yeah. thing. But I just I followed the recipes at pretty much exactly. I added some different fillings because I had them. And um, Christy and I, my girlfriend, we made it. It was like we had so much fun. I got to thank you and her. I was having a bad week that week. And I had so yeah. much fun making that. We had flour all over us. But, I mean, it wasn't messy, believe me. <laughs> I mean, but and I don't usually cook things with flour. I don't usually make bread. So we did that. We made yeah. rice the bread. We, um, you know, fried the. They like little pierogies. Yeah, they okay. look like you know, and fried them in there. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, god, yeah. they were so good. And then I had company I'm so glad over they're here. a couple of weeks ago. Oh my god, we had so. I make it all the time. You know, <laughs> I was <laughs> just telling a nice. friend of mine who's a cook too. She's a cook and she likes. She cooks like for work sometimes. She has jobs doing okay. that and she cooks and she gardens and she's sort of a witch. She has all spices and she listened to my beer recipe and then she went on, you know, because we talked, not the beer recipe, the beer episode where I mentioned your website. Yeah, so yeah. she went on there and she's all excited about it too. That's but, yeah, so Yeah, I mean, so, so nice we had so hear. much fun and it's so, I'm telling you, it was so good. So I got to make a couple of the other recipes. There's, I'm vegetarian. So if you go on to yeah. the website too, you'll see. I'll give you a plug there. I think I could tell it right. Tell me if I get it wrong. You, um, all the recipes have like a vegetarian version or a, you know, meat version. So there's something. For yeah, both. At, at least those that are on the website right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then I mean, you could use vegan butter and stuff, uh, or oh, yeah, vegan yeah. butter, and 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 then you have a vegan. Yeah. No, oh, right, right. Alternative as well. I did. So, I, uh, I cook with everything with olive oil normally, but that particular one, that Nana's Moon Bread, regular oil worked better because it doesn't yeah, burn. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's also something like oils are diff. Like first, first linseed oils, uh, linseed oil was was used mostly in cooking. Then sesame oil, and then in the north you had olive oil, and so on. So, like that's why we're, we're I'm covering like almost four thousand years. And that's, that's why I thought the the only yeah the only you know fair way to recreate Mesopotamian cuisine would be to travel through those cities and experience the food at that city during that time, and then travel to another city and then another city and then in order to have more than just recipes in the book. That's why I thought about this sort of travel guide, you know. Written with yeah. a light, you know. Yes, in, in a fun way. You, I'm like so excited now about, even more excited about this book. I'm seriously was excited about the book, and I'm going to get it for gifts for people and stuff too. Like, but, <laughs> and I hate to ask you, so like, when do you think it's going to be out? Now I'm really excited <laughs> about it. I knew you were going to ask. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing everything I can to uh, to uh, be done with the book this year, so 2023. Okay. The thing is that I'm self-publishing it, mm-hmm. so uh, um, and the reason is that, well, when I started with it, I just wanted to have full creative control, and mm-hmm. I haven't actually bothered to reach out to any, to any like publishers, because okay. usually how it is is that an author 
writes a proposal for a publisher or usually even the, the, the correct steps would be to first find an agent, then write a proposal and so on. Mm. And that's, you know, I didn't want to waste yeah. too much of my time on doing that. I know I can, I can write this book. So, um, I want to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make this book happen whether or not I have a publisher. So, uh, okay. but, but th- th- there's so much else in writing a book, especially a cookbook, you know, there are, we have the recipes, I have the historical research of the recipes, but also of these cities, which takes like, I have to research two weeks for, to be able to write about a city. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I have to do research. For... A lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, you want to get it right. Yeah, exactly. I want to get it right. And then not, half not right just... half the time, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's only in writing. That... People have to re-listen if I mess it up. They can look right in your book. Ah, you messed that up right there. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's not just also... Get, I mean, basically, getting it right is just the first step. Then getting it to be interesting is the next step. Because what I end up with after I research for two weeks is maybe 10,000 words of something that... Like I would be so embarrassed to show anyone, and then it's compressed into like two thousand words. That's when it's oh. when it's good. Um, yeah. After after like ten rewrites and having editors and beta beta readers go through it, so wow. That's all. And, and then then there's also yeah, it's the the design because I see this book as also a kind of like a like a physical product. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. The, the way it's re- it's represented is is almost as crucial as what's on the inside, if not even more crucial. I don't want to bring up the cliche of don't judge the book by its cover. It's not just the cover; it's like the everything. Like I want it to feel yeah, the photography it, and stuff. If you have food, you don't, you want it to look appetizing, and that's not easy. Yeah, to take pictures of food. The book should be you know thick enough. It should be heavy. It should be. This is the oldest cuisine in the world that I'm recreating. I can't you know publish it in a in a like. Paperback. Yeah, a magazine or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is it, it going to do? You have to print all the books. Do you have to print a, a number, or are you, you going to have like a print-on-demand type of thing? I think I'm going to have some kind of pre-selling, so oh, I have yeah. the funds to to, yeah. to print like it. a Kickstarter yeah. or something. Yeah, something like that, because it's going to be probably an expensive book to uh, to print since it's going to be big. I'm gonna. I, I, I want it to be a quality book, so quality paper, quality cover everything so uh yeah. it's probably and and then i mean with the today's prices going up on everything and especially wood which is used to to make, make paper, paper that's like uh well yeah i i, I, I don't know because i haven't uh, reached out to any printers yet with like concretely well, so. I've done. I haven't printed any books. I almost did. I made. I made board games. So that I've done. Mm. So yes, it is a big part of the project is getting the actual product done. You should yeah, do you the should probably 
get a kickstart. Yeah, we should do a board game. I'll do one. I like to do yeah, one. You should, Another one. Yeah, the Royal Game of Ur or something like that. They might cool. have it. If you go on, I know, I think the, the British Museum, I saw earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they have yeah, it. They Earth. have it. Yeah, I think they have it. I don't know if they, yeah, I think they do have it. Somebody but it's so expensive. I think it was oh, like, well, it probably is. shipping, it's like, yeah. It, it that's probably because it's expensive to make because it's a shape. Like a Monopoly game is a square board with ah, a sticker on it. But like that okay, thing is okay. all crazy. You have to mold stuff and everything. You know, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you get a Kickstarter started, maybe people start pre-ordering them. But I guess you you can't because you got to be close to getting it done. So that's true. yeah, yeah. I I I want I want to be I want to be closer to to get it done to not screw people up. You know, <laughs> saying that yeah, they will right. have the so book. So you're close. In, uh, you're getting close though now. I I I think right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely can't wait to um get my hands on some of them. Maybe I'll, I'm glad to I'll hear. Maybe I'll be able to come and pick one up in, in Sweden again soon. I'm hoping to go to Sweden that would again, be nice. maybe this year or next year. Anyway, if I could yeah. in 2023, just make sure I will. you come in July or something. I know, or August. I went last year. It was August. Uh, yeah, it was July or August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> well, when I got there, it started raining, but the day week before, they said it was the most nicest time ever. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Did we miss anything about the book or about anything? I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think so. There's so much more to be said about Mesopotamian cuisine and food and um, sowing, harving, harvesting and everything. But I think uh, uh, we could probably do something else in the future. Yeah, I was bore. thinking maybe if you have like a chapter done one time, maybe we could you know, go over one of yeah. something like that. Because it just sounds so interesting how you did it. Like now I'm really extra excited because it just sounds like you're going to go from city to city and time to time in those cities and what they made there yeah. and why they made it and then have a recipe i mean that's freaking awesome i love books like okay think of the game of thrones right game of thrones is very popular mm-hmm. and the books were really popular right so if, uh, did you read the books at all um i started but uh he he actually goes on and on and on about food. sometimes it's too yeah. much but it's really descriptive <laughs> like you know he'll tell what they ate. Yeah. He was eating quail eggs and they were doing this and it was cooked in butter like exactly. he talks about the food as they're going from place to place you know, I mean, sometimes you waste time on it. Well, that's a whole other story. That guy wastes a lot of time writing those books. But. Yeah, that, that's why it takes him ages to write these books. Yeah, he's never going to finish it, but that's another topic. <laughs> but seriously, though, like a lot of books like that, they do they do that. So this sounds, you know, it's like a coffee table book, but the actual recipes in it. You know, I remember I read a book one time about it was in France and they kept talking about different food that they ate, but they didn't give you the recipe, too. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean... A recipe or a dish, any dish, can only taste, you know, that much. I think there's a there's a limit to our taste buds. How much, how much we're humanly popular. Like, I mean, how much we can taste. There's a. Yeah. I think there's a limit to that. But what makes what makes something special is knowing this story or the history about yeah. the dish. It's the same right. as you know watching a painting. You could watch. Two similar paintings, identical. You wouldn't even be able to, you know, see a millimeter of, of a difference. But then, if they told you that, you know, one is painted by somebody famous, Picasso. Yeah, Picasso, for example. And then the other one is just a, you know, fake right. painting. You you would you wouldn't look at the fake painting the same way, and you would definitely definitely look at the at the real one with with different eyes. So, yeah, right. uh, so I think that's like uh, I think it's the same with food. Knowing that this was 
cooked for this god for this purpose or this was eaten by a king or by a queen yeah stuff like that is really interesting because then the food has some meaning too not just it's it's not just texture and and taste absolutely it brings you back like to the you know like especially history fans like the listeners here like you know like it just brings you to the makes you feel like this is what they were actually eating 4000 years ago you know yeah. this is what they were eating in the neo syrian empire this was like this was some guy person was that's why i feel about gardening you know i mean Mm. It's me close to like farming. I would think about people who farmed. So it's just some. It's just like playing. Obviously, I don't have to garden yeah. for my survival. But you know, <laughs> yeah. like you grow something in your garden and you cook it. That's why. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely looking forward to growing things and cooking stuff out of that. Those recipes for sure. I know my friend has yeah. a grape. Grape. I can get some grape leaves off of him. They grow wild in his backyard. So because I know you have a recipe for stuffed grape leaves in there too. Okay. Cool. Right, so yeah, I'm gonna do that. So yeah, so we're not sure when the book is coming out, but the website is Table of Gods, right? Yeah, tableofgods.com. www.tableofgods. Yep. Com, and people should go to that. I'll link it obviously in the show notes and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll link your YouTube channel too because you're putting out some pretty good videos too. I noticed. Thank you. Yeah, so basically sign up for the newsletter and uh, what I do is that once a month I send a progress update on my progress. So I'm putting some pressure on myself. Good idea. Um, Yeah, so just to keep everybody updated on what's happening and how how everything is going. And hopefully by the end of the year I will send out something that says that the book is done. (laughs) Are you but planning to have it printed in Sweden? Do you think, or are you just are you up in the air for anything? I'm up in the air for anything, basically. Uh, so I have friends, and I do stuff like this. You know, I could do. I don't. I haven't done a book. I, I priced out books a long time ago. I was going to do something, but I do. I have okay contacts with China. In fact, we have a good friend in China. Um, cool. We should reach out. Should to talk them. about it when it when it gets uh, when yeah. it gets closer. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Definitely. So yeah, the rest the uh, website is tableofgods.com. You can go on there and I'll link it in the show notes. And you know, um Aram is really uh you know, I send emails and stuff and you get back to people, so but definitely check out the recipes. I mean, I had so much fun making them. I think everybody would too. And I'm totally looking forward to this coming out, so and I thank you. thank you very much for coming on to What's New in History. Actually, so if you want to help me out, anybody that's uh, listening, if you could uh, share the website, share our podcast with your friends and your enemies. And um, make sure you check out our sponsor, right? Marduk's Mattress Emporium. <laughs> our sponsor is actually uh, Table of Gods anymore. That's That'll be our sponsor. And um, our Facebook page. Also, you have a Facebook page too, right? Yeah, just Table of Gods. Yeah, good good one. <laughs> Ours is yeah. of History, is Table of Gods. And yeah, check us all out. And definitely check out the, uh, keep our eye out for this cookbook. And hopefully we'll be in time for next Christmas. That'll be a good Christmas present, I think. I think so too. All right, thanks a lot, Aram. Thank you, Bernie. Oh, you're welcome. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.